0: This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening.
1: Now we're going to read God's Word, and after that, I'm going to invite Pastor Andrew Ong to unpack it for us. So if you have your Bible, like home or here, you can flip it with us. If not, you can look at the screen. We'll be reading from John chapter 12, verse 20 to 36. Let me read it for us. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I've glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The cross spoke up. We had heard from the Lord that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Verse 35, Then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. This is the word of God. Good morning,
0: everyone. Okay, it's really good to have you all here this Good Friday morning, and it's a real pleasure that uh, I can see all of you here. And for those of you on Zoom, a really warm welcome to you too. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we truly want to thank you for Good Friday where we can remember the death of your son, Jesus. We pray that this morning, you will be giving us insight Opening our hearts and our wills, so that we may truly come to appreciate, in a very real way, what you have done for us in Jesus. We pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, the question I want to ask you this morning is, what is your greatest need? Okay, what is your greatest need? So uh, let me pull this up. See if I can get this going. So, what is your greatest need? Up here. Okay, so what truly is your greatest need? Is it to have uh, more money? Is it to have better marks? Or is it maybe to have more good friends, or boyfriend, or a girlfriend, or to get married even, or to have more fun in life, or to have a better job? I think very often we don't know what we really need until something is gone. Uh, so maybe, Elliot, if you turn off all the lights, okay? So if you turn off all the lights, then what would we say that we need? Uh, you, the is on, right? you would say that our need is to have light. Okay, uh, Elliot can turn it on again. If you were to not eat for a couple of days, then you would say that your greatest need was for food. If I were to deny you uh, water, for just a couple of hours, your greatest need would be water. If I turn off the air conditioning, obviously that illustration will take a bit longer, then your greatest need will be for cool air. So you don't really know what you truly need until something is gone. So imagine you're sitting here today in the hall, or perhaps you're sitting at home, comfortable on your couch on Zoom, or maybe even lying in your bed, God forbid. Then you experience a sharp pain in your stomach. Pain doesn't go away. After a few days, you go and consult your GP, your GP examines you, frowns, sends you to a specialist, you see the specialist, the specialist says that you have aggressive pancreatic cancer, and you only have six months to live. How would that change your greatest need then? Or imagine, you're sitting here in the hall once again, or perhaps at home, and you have a bit of an itch, you notice a black spot in your skin and you start scratching it and the, and the itch doesn't seem to go away. And after a couple of weeks, in fact, the, the mole seems to be growing and starts bleeding. Again, you go to see a doctor. Dr. Frowns sends you to a specialist. specialist says, I'm very sorry to tell you that you have stage 4 melanoma cancer. You have less than six months to live. It's incurable. What then would be your greatest need then? your greatest need would be life. Right? That life would be your greatest need. And in fact, all of us, really our greatest need is life. We just don't really recognize it because we are probably young and healthy, but I've sat on the bedsides of people in hospital who tell me all they need is just one day more of life, or maybe just one week more of life. Now in today's passage, uh, Jesus was actually visited by these people who asked about him and asked for him. And Jesus said some very powerful words. And Jesus' words are so deep and profound that it was one of the reasons why I chose to become a Christian. And here we see an example of it because in just a few sentences, Jesus makes great, deep, profound meaning. So let's look just at the first sentence because it's just got so much to say. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Now here, Jesus is using picture language, metaphorical language. He's not literally saying that this very hour, something is coming for me to be glorified. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a way that we speak English. So, you know, for those of you who may uh, remember, Liverpool or, you know, or, or some sporting event, they will say, cometh the hour, cometh the man, right? Okay, uh, Richmond is not here, so he can't appreciate this uh, illustration. Okay, but it's about how, you know, at, at this time, at this period, something great is going to happen. A person is, is stepping up to do a great thing. And so if you remember, you know, Stephen Gerrard, he scored three goals in the second half to get Liverpool to win the Champions League, okay, something like that. Okay, But Jesus does something even greater because if for a human being, come of the hour, come of the man, then for a divine being like Jesus who is God, what he is going to do will truly be glorified, truly bring glory. And so what is this thing that Jesus is going to do that brings glory to himself? It must be greater than winning the Champions League football, greater than winning Olympics, greater than winning the Nobel Prize. So what is Jesus going to do? He says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now that's a strange thing for Jesus to say. How is He glorified by dying, How is he glorified by dying? He says that when he dies, he compares it to this picture where a grain of wheat falls to the ground and therefore when the seed dies, so to speak, in the ground, it produces many seeds. It produces a harvest of many plants. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He is glorified on Good Friday when he dies because through his death, he produces a harvest of many seeds. But what is this harvest of many seeds that he talks about? What sort of seeds is he producing by dying that is so glorious? Well, it is because he is going to produce a harvest of seeds which bring eternal life. Right, which bring eternal life. And so here we see, oops, sorry, huh? Here we see that Jesus is going to bring a harvest of eternal life through his death. But Jesus never says things in a simple way. He has great depth in what he says. He says, the man who loses his life, who loves his life, sorry, will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Just reflect on that for a moment. Again, Jesus has, you know, such depth in his words. He's not saying that you hate your life in a psychological, emotional way, right? You know, it's like you're depressed and you want to kill yourself. You hate yourself. Okay, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Okay, if you have those thoughts, then come and speak to me. But what Jesus is trying to do here is he's trying to compare something which you love so much That by comparison, something you hate. Okay, so it's a bit like my kids. At home, we eat brown rice and white rice. I don't know whether you all have this problem at home, but uh, for health reasons, I try to eat brown rice, right? But my kids hate brown rice. Okay, so in a sense, brown rice, white rice, they love white rice. They hate, sorry, they love white rice. They hate Brown rice. It's the same thing, right, in terms of vegetables and meat. Right? You know, you ask kids sometimes to eat vegetables and meat. They would love meat, but they hate vegetables. It's a, it's a picture of, of how much you desire something to how much you dislike something else. And what Jesus says is that when he dies to bring a harvest of eternal life, it is not just the quantity of life that Jesus brings but the quality of eternal life that he brings. That you compare to this earthly life, the eternal life that Jesus wins for us by dying on the cross, means that this earthly life is hated compared to the love that we must have for eternal life. The quality of eternal life is so great, Jesus is saying, that in comparison, hate this life. And I think in many ways, that's true, isn't it? When you think of this earthly life, someone was complaining to me the other day that it's all about working and more work and more work and more work. It's all about having difficult relationships. It's all about having struggles with bad bosses. It's all about looking at the newspaper or the news and reading about war and injustice and racism and the rich exploiting the poor. So Jesus is really saying the eternal life that he wins for us by dying on the cross is by comparison not just a quantity of life but the quality of life is so much better than this earthly life. Love eternal life and hate this life. And as a result, Jesus says that we have a choice. Right? He says Glorify Jesus because he dies for us. Because our great need for all of us here is we will all die. But the gift that Jesus brings is eternal life. So follow Jesus, he says. Follow Jesus. But that is not all. Because the passage then goes on to say, right? Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Now, Jesus felt anxiety, anguish, trouble, pain and grief at this hour that he was going to die. I think all of us would have felt that way. I would have felt that way. Jesus was going to the cross. We have a word in English, excruciating, right? I mean, when you really, really are in pain, we use the word, you are in excruciating pain. I feel excruciating pain. I broke my arm, I broke my leg, I broke my hip. I'm really suffering. Now, the word excruciating, which is probably the biggest and strongest word we can have in English, to describe our pain, comes from crucifixion. right? If, for those of you who are interested and you try to find out where words come from, crucifixion is actually the base by which we come to the word excruciating. And that's what Jesus was facing. No wonder he felt troubled. Because here he was, he was going to be hung on a cross with nails. Can you imagine? Not small nails you buy from the... Uh, you know, DIY shop, but huge nails being driven into your arms and your feet. That's excruciating. I would be troubled, you would be troubled if, if you knew that someone was going to hammer these nails into your wrists and your ankles. Right? And that was because he was going to face a painful, long, and humiliating death. But I think that we miss what Good Friday is about if we think that Jesus was troubled only and only because of the physical dimension of his pain. Because he says that I was going to be lifted up from this earth on a cross, right? He was going to be lifted up on the earth to show the kind of death he was going to die. But being lifted up on the cross was not just about physical suffering for Jesus. I mean, why glorify Jesus just because He was lifted up on the cross, but because of what He was achieving on the cross. So again, in John chapter 3, verse 14 to 18, it says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. Amen. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Now, I want you to notice here this word keeps being repeated. Condemned. Right? Condemned. Condemned. And what it's really saying is the purpose of Jesus being lifted up on the cross was to save people who are being condemned. Condemned is a judicial word. It's a a word of law. It's a word of the courts. You murder someone, it's proven in court, you are condemned to the death penalty. And so what Jesus is saying here is actually we, all of us here, are in a state of condemnation, right? if we do not believe, we are already condemned. We stand in a state of condemnation without the the lifting of Jesus on the cross. Now, that sounds like a terrible life, right? I mean, have you ever lived a life under the shadow of condemnation? Imagine you go to court and you've been sentenced, you're just waiting for the sentence to begin. That is a terrible life. A few uh, weeks ago, I was driving and, um, and I was in a hurry. I remember very distinctly, I was stuck behind this uh, slow-moving uh, minivan turning right and then the, the traffic light was blinking and so the, tr- the bus took its time to turn around and then when I turned around, I realized, my goodness, the light was already red. Then as I drove past, I looked at my rear view mirror and there was a traffic light camera, right? And I thought to myself, that sinking feeling, 12 demerit points, $400. You can ask my wife, right? That whole week, I was really down. I kept going to my post box every day, right? Thinking, where am I going to find the letter from the MTA, right? And that's what it's like to live your life under the shadow of condemnation. You know you're already guilty. You're just waiting for the, 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 the bar to drop. And Jesus says that all of us here are in this state of condemnation. But Jesus dies on the cross so that he can take us out of this state of condemnation so that we can be saved. And that's why Jesus was in such anguish. Because he knew that when he went to the cross, It wasn't just physical suffering that he was going to face, but he was taking our condemnation upon himself. It wasn't just 12 demerit points and $400 that Jesus was taking, but he was taking on himself all the guilt of our world. Isn't that a terrible a terrifying thought? But Jesus, the divine son, was able to do that. And so in this passage, it tells us, glorify Jesus because he was lifted up. He was punished for us. He was condemned for us so that we would be able to live a punishment-free life. We no longer have the shadow of condemnation hanging over us anymore. And Jesus says, believe, right? If you believe, you are saved. You are taken out of condemnation into salvation. The passage doesn't end there. And the passage that we read today, Andrew Wong read for us, he goes on to speak of something very curious. He tells them that he is lifted up. And why is he lifted up? He says that he is lifted up so that the prince of the world will be driven out. He goes on to talk about how you're going to have the light a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have the light so that you may become sons of light. Now, this is something that we don't really think about very much when we think about the death of Jesus. But the death of Jesus, in a sense, expels out of this world the darkness and the evil and the satanic force of this world. It is the triumph of light over darkness. So Jesus says that not only does He give us eternal life, not only does He save us from condemnation, but He saves us from Satan and darkness and sin itself. Now I know that we live in a materialist, naturalist world, uh, a secular uh, you know, world which has no, no place for thinking about spiritual force of darkness and Satan, right? I mean, But Jesus tells us that indeed we live in a world where evil and darkness has dominion, has power and rule. And it is the force which shapes why our world is the way that it is today. You think about it for a while. Obviously, you read the newspaper, and uh, one of the biggest, uh, I guess, things that are happening is what's happening in Myanmar, about how, you know, the military dictatorship there is, uh, is, uh, is, is is killing its own people. Up to, I think, more than 500 people already shot by their own military. Where do all these things come from? Why, why is it we, as a, as a species, are able to make such great technological advances, but yet we still are unable stop our evil baser instincts of cruelty, murder, jealousy, selfishness. The Bible tells us it's because we live in a world which is under the dominion of darkness, under the power of Satan. And here, as you can see in this picture, thousands of people of Myanmar flee to Thailand to escape the forces of darkness, I suppose, in their country. But Jesus is actually telling us that we live in a world where we cannot flee and find freedom from the forces of darkness because it is all around us. Right? There is the power of Satan around the world which has dominion over the whole of humanity in this world. So I remember not too long ago, I was walking in the botanical gardens and uh, I was going to the eco park, you know, the eco lake. I I really enjoy that. Maybe some of you have been there. And in the botanic gardens, you have all these little turtles, right? The terrapins swimming around. So here am I, enjoying my tranquil day, reflecting on the goodness of God's nature, looking at his terrapins. And then some people, some kids, uh, less than uh, maybe primary one age, start throwing rocks at these turtles in an effort to kill them, I suppose, or to aim them. And they think it's very fun, right? And I'm thinking to myself, where does that instinct come from? The parents are not telling them to throw stones at the innocent turtles, right? There's no sign of that. Please throw stones at the turtles. But they find it really fun to do so. Why does that come about? Somebody else was telling me the other day, this uh, lady was telling me about how on Facebook, she's quite an older lady, uh, some people are trying to befriend her, uh, asking her for naked photographs of herself. And this is an old lady, okay? <laughs> okay? And she can't understand why, 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 why these people are doing so. And, and you know, how do you explain a world like that? What Jesus says is because we live in a world which is really under the dominion of darkness. And so Jesus tells us that to to flee, to actually be able to get freedom from the dominion of darkness and evil and sin is to look to the cross. Because it is only as Jesus is lifted up that Satan is expelled from this world. And so Jesus says, trust, right? Trust in the light so you will be the sons of light you will no longer be in the sphere of darkness, but you will actually gain freedom from the darkness. So as we come to the end of today's passage, I think that it is such a powerful reminder to us of why we as Christians remember Jesus' death on Good Friday and why it's so important for us. I remember reading a book recently, uh and uh oh I shouldn't show you this slide so fast but but this book was saying how actually in the early christian history and you can read church history or you can read normal history christians had this reputation for people who died well they knew how to die well and um it's interesting because in my bible study group somebody um said this uh, quote which i think is original i don't even know where it came from right but this person said that their relative said to them, the person who has no needs, that person is invincible. Uh, and I kind of reflected on and I thought, well, that's really true, right? Because if you have no needs, you are invincible. And I think as we look at this passage, what Jesus is saying is, we as Christians truly have no needs. With the death of Jesus and his lifting up on the cross, We have been promised eternal life, not just the quantity of life, but the quality of life is so much greater than this life that Jesus says, hate this life and love eternal life. Jesus, through his being lifted up on the cross, takes us out of the shadow of condemnation into a punishment-free life. There is no condemnation for you any longer. In Jesus being lifted up, He has set us free from the dominion of evil and sin that rules this world, and we live a life free of darkness in the light. So as you come today and you have heard God's words in the Bible, not my words, then I want you to really embrace the promises of Jesus and to follow Jesus to trust in Jesus, and to believe in Him. Now, if you still struggle with whether Jesus is true, whether God is something that you can believe in, then I would encourage you to go watch the Against the Tide documentary. It's excellent. I've seen it. It's really excellent. But but once you can see that this person, Jesus, is a real person, and He has died for you, and that He has risen, I want you to accept the promises that He's made for you in His Word. So I'm going to invite all of us to pray in a moment. We're just going to go to God and ask Him to help us to fix all those things in our mind and then we're going to have a short reflection period. Okay, So let's go to God in prayer. Hey, Father, as we come before you today, we thank you so much that in history your Son came into this world and that He willingly went to the cross. We pray that we may glorify your name. We pray that Jesus may be glorified. For he has done great things for us. He has given us eternal life. And eternal life is much greater than just this life, this earthly life which is so full of difficulty. We thank you because Jesus is glorified because He has taken our condemnation upon Him. That He has given us a punishment-free life. And dear Father, we thank You that in Jesus being lifted up, the power of darkness and Satan in this world has been defeated. That we who follow and trust Jesus are sons of light. We pray that we may truly gain encouragement from these truths. We pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, we just have a a quick discussion. And I want you to discuss two questions among yourselves. Um, Could you just discuss discuss among yourselves these two questions? What truly are your greatest needs? And how has the lifting up of Jesus on the cross met those needs? Okay, so on Zoom, you'll be in your breakout rooms for about five minutes and here as well. So just discuss among yourselves those two questions. And then uh, Pastor Andrew Wong will come up uh, when those five minutes are up. So please just discuss among yourselves.
1: Whether you're from at Zoom or whether you're here in person, I hope we had the chance to have a thing about a question. What is our greatest need? And um, we all have needs. But what is the greatest and how do they eventually link to our greatest desire? I hope today is a good time to reflect on what we have learned, and I do hope we will think about it more for the rest of the week. Thanks for
0: listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church.
1: For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.